0: This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. On Tuesday, voters in Montana had their say in the state's midterm primary election. While the primaries for the new Western congressional seat drew most of the attention, voters also weighed in on state Supreme Court positions, seats on the Public Service Commission, uh, legislative races, and more. With me today are Montana State News Bureau reporters who will give us a rundown on who won, who lost, and where votes are still being counted. I think it's safe to say that going into election night, most people weren't expecting such a tight race in the Republican primary for Montana's new Western House District. But that's what we got with a race that's still too close to call as of Wednesday. And Tom, we aren't expecting the outcome of that race anytime soon, are we? Yeah, that's right, Tom. Um, Right now,
1: they're doing a hand count in Lincoln County up in Libby. and that could actually take a couple more days, according to election officials up there. Um, what happened was they had an issue with how the um, the size of the ballots were printed so that they can't actually run them through ballot counting machines to tabulate the vote. So now um, they are doing a hand count. Um, we've had a reporter up there talking to folks and uh, that's uh, looking like maybe Friday at the earliest. We'll, we'll get results from there. Um, I don't have election day figures from that, but there's about 4,300 um, absentee votes that uh, were cast in that in that county.
0: And the absentee votes are the ones that are um, that didn't work in the machine, correct? That's
1: correct. Basically, all all the absentee ballots um, aren't going to work in the tabulating machine. Um, and actually, according to the Secretary of State's office, that means uh, under state law, basically you can't mix and match. Um, you can't hand count some ballots and then machine count other ballots. It needs to be uniform, so that's why they're uh, they're doing this arduous uh, hand count up in Libby
0: today and and probably tomorrow and into Friday. Interesting. Um, so, you know, Zinke was uh, arguably had the most name recognition um, of everybody in that primary. Um, Where did where did he do? Well, Uh, where did didn't he do well? Um, uh, He had a surprisingly poor performance in Flathead County, didn't he?
1: It it depends on, I guess, um, how how you look at it. Um, Not being a political scientist, I can kind of give you my my take on it. Uh, You know, Zinke came in, obviously, like you said, with uh, a lot of money, the major endorsements from Trump and Gianforte and Danes, um, all the name recognition uh, big name experience. Um, but we, he was going up against the five way primary. Um, right. and you know, a couple of the candidates probably we, you knew they weren't going to be effective, but, um, you know, uh, former state Senator Alashevsky has, um, you know, he's been on the statewide stage a number of times he's ran twice unsuccessfully. Um, and not particularly done well in Republican primaries for statewide. But, you know, when you get this new Western district, that's, that's his neck of the woods. That's, um, that's where people know him and and know his politics and know his brand. Right. Um, We also saw a pretty interesting candidate, um, Mary Todd, who's a, who's a pastor and and church leader up in in Kalispell. Um, She was um, ran to the right of Olszewski even um, on a lot of issues. And, Uh, she actually took about 10, 11% of the vote. So you had these um, two candidates who um, were were kind of splitting that conservative vote, and at the same time, uh, both sort of unified and attacking Zinke. Um, There's also um, a a PAC, and and the Democrats were um, already attacking Zinke as well. So you had all these attacks against um, sort of the likely front runner. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily one that I'm able to offer a lot of insight into Zinke's campaign strategy, but he also, he didn't appear at the debates. Uh, You know, he, he didn't talk to all the media. He talked to, uh, you know, us at Lee newspapers, but there were other outlets he he didn't um, do interviews for. So, you know, I don't know how that affected him um in in the race but it's it's very tight right now um there's obviously enough votes out there um that the race could change although how likely that would be with the 1064 vote lead right now um i I haven't seen anybody um come out and say that they think um olszewski besides his campaign will be victorious in the end but it's it is very very tight right now and it is too close
0: to call and I suppose we'll see what comes out of that Lincoln County uh, hand count, right?
1: Yep. So there's the Lincoln County hand count. Um, like I said, um, 4,300 absentee ballots. I don't know how many um, election day ballots um, also were cast. Um, you know, we've also got some provisional ballots out there. Right. Um, we've heard from Missoula, there's 300 there. Um, and, and you had asked where Zinke is doing well and not doing well. Um, Zinke has about a 15 point, um, advantage in missoula county hmm. so you know you would expect that in provisionals um, how many of those are republican we don't know right um you know he did well in gallatin um, places like mineral county um but where he didn't do well where was flathead county and both um, olshevsky and zinke claimed flathead county as, as their home county so um, olshevsky um, had a pretty sizable advantage there Um, I think it was about 48% to, I'd have to check, but all right, Tom. So in Flathead County, um, Olszewski actually had a 48% to 31% advantage over Zinke. So that's, that's about, um, 3,500 votes. So, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty wide margin for your, for your home County to, to not be successful if you're Ryan Zinke. Um, the neighboring counties like Sanders County, um, that he also um, was losing there. So um, there, there's sort of that neck of the woods, Northwest Montana, where where um,
0: Olszewski was really doing well. Uh, you know, I think generally folks were expecting the real contest Tuesday night to be the Democratic primary in the Western House race, uh, but it turned out to not be that close of a race. Right, Holly?
2: yeah i i was surprised for sure and i think some other people were not so much it i think who won but the margin in that race Yeah. Right. i was talking to other reporters about it's kind of been since 2018 since we went into an election night really having no idea who was going to come out on top and that's what we were kind of thinking with the race it was a three-way democratic primary with Monica Chanel, Cora Newman, and Tom Winter. Um, And Winter was kind of expected to lag behind. And it was, you know, people were not really sure if it was going to be Trinnell or Newman, but Chanel ended up winning with 65% of the vote to 27 that Newman got. Yeah. So pretty, I think pretty unexpected, just the margin there for some people. And, you know, like there's no public polling in Montana. So maybe the campaigns had an idea this was coming, but I think a lot of people who don't have access to that were, pretty surprised to see that big of a margin
0: right right and with that big of a margin uh it's easy to assume that that um even if all of tom winter's votes went to newman it still wouldn't have made the difference
2: and winter got just eight percent of the vote um so he really didn't even play spoiler because even if any everybody who went for him ended up backing newman instead of janelle it still wouldn't have closed that gap so i think it's you know it's interesting because like with lack of public polling, we often look at campaign finance to be kind of an indicator. Like you can right. see who's getting money support and like super interesting in this race because Newman was up pretty significantly in that and still ended up raising more money. But in that last reporting period, right before the primary, Trunell actually outraised Newman, mm. which had some people wondering if maybe she was gaining momentum as we are getting into voting.
0: Right. So what kind of race does this set up um, for the general election in November? You know, like in terms of how Trinnell ran a campaign based on, you know, her Montana roots and the Democrats have been attacking Zinke on that that exact thing.
2: Yeah, I think if Zinke ends up coming out of this Republican primary, which I think is still kind of where it's looking, just Olszewski'd need to do pretty darn well with the votes that still aren't counted to be able to pull it out, which. Is possible, but if it's Zinke, you know, I think that sets up Democrats for a race. You know, maybe they would have viewed Zinke as, you know, Earl Shesky as a weaker candidate just because Zinky's got, like you were saying before, name recognition. He's served in Congress before for Montana Secretary of Interior. But like Tom's reported on a lot, there's also a lot of Democrats can attack Zinke over, and residency is one of those. Just you know, Zinke's wife, there was that big Politico story that she's declared California residency for tax purposes. He ended up sort of addressing all of the stuff swirling about where he spends most of his time at the end of the race, which is something he hadn't really you know, gotten into, hadn't cut really ads for it before addressing it or anything. So I think, you know, that shows that he might be weak on that issue. And maybe that's part of the reason Olszewski did better than most people were expecting. And Trinnell, I think, is... And, you know, a lot of Democrats looked at her as the candidate who'd be best to hammer Zinke on that. You know, she's raised in eastern Montana; she has spent nearly all of her life and professional career in Montana, whereas Newman had spent a significant time out of state. And Democrats, you know, in the primary, kind of danger for that. So that would have been a lot different of a setup. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty curious to see how all that looks, but I think it's going to be a pretty interesting primary general election. I think it's going to be. Just, you know, Zinke is Zinke. He's kind of his own entity. And Trinnell, through the campaign, you know, she, the Democratic primary didn't get super nasty, got a little bit at the end. But I think Trinnell is a candidate who can really probably be matching Zinke in terms of energy and just voice. And I think it's going to be an interesting one to cover for sure.
0: Right, right. You know, and and this is the first time in, what is it, 30 years that we uh, in Montana are electing two people to Congress. Um, And so uh, let's jump east. And uh, in the Eastern District, there was a lot fewer fireworks and things generally went as expected. Right, Holly?
2: Yeah, I think the Associated Press, it took than an hour after polls closed to call the Republican primary for Matt Rosendale, who is, I guess he's an incumbent technically. Like the seats new, but he's our rep right now in Congress. So I think fair to call him an incumbent. He had Republican opponents, but in a kind of interesting move, the state Republican Party back in February, like before candidate filing even closed, invoked this RNC rule that allowed them to back Rosendale in the primary. Like normally parties don't really get involved in contested primaries, but you know, that kind of speaks to what Montana Republican Party thought of the other Republican candidates that ran against Rosendale. So that one, I think, no surprise is there. On the Democratic side, I mean the race had a huge wrench thrown in it when Mark Sweeney, who I think was the best known candidate in the Dem primary, he died in early May. But his name ended up staying on the ballot because of he you know died so close to when ballots were sent out and some like you know overseas military ballots had already gotten to voters. So Sweeney stayed on, but Penny Ronning, who's a former Billings City Councilwoman, she ended up winning that primary. So she'll go on to face Zinke, but Sweeney actually came in second in that race. And then Skylar Williams, who's a Billings resident, came in third.
0: Uh, Well, I don't think there were any surprises with uh, which Supreme Court candidates made it through to the general election. Uh, we still had a pretty intense race for one of the seats. Seaborn, how how did uh, those races end up?
3: Yeah, that was um, I think in in how we've been covering it, one of the more charged races we've seen um, so far this year in this election cycle. And so, the incumbent Ingrid Gustafson she uh, got a, got done last night with about forty eight percent of the vote. Republican Public Service Commission Chair uh, James Brown, he ended up with about 36 percent. And then Lewis and Clark County District Court Judge Mike McMahon, uh, he wrapped up this morning with about 15 percent of the vote. So um, kind of, uh, you know, no surprise in terms of who is moving on to the general. But I think there was a little bit of surprise with um, how much further Gustafson um, had gone in in this primary, you know, Uh, like Holly said earlier, we don't have a lot of um, good public polling on these races, specifically uh, the Supreme Court race, which is typically kind of a down ticket race. Um, But this year is, uh, or sorry, this race rather is um, sort of riding this wave uh, from last year's conflict between the um, Republican Party and the judiciary, where um, Republicans with you know, a near supermajority in the legislature and um, the, you know, first Republican governor in 16 years able to push through a lot of new legislation that had kind of died at the uh, governor's desk over that time when we had a Democratic governor. Um, They've been especially frustrated with the courts putting the brakes on a lot of ambitious policies. Uh, They've finally been able to get out of the um, Capitol. And so, you know, with that... um, you know, kind of framing around this race, it what we kind of have here is the incumbent versus the partisan horsepower the Republicans have thrown behind Jim Brown's candidacy. And so while the Judicial Code of Conduct um, prohibits Brown from seeking or accepting or using or commenting um, any partisan endorsements, that really hasn't stopped Republicans from endorsing Brown, from, um, you know, dumping some money or laid into this race to try to get him, um, you know, a little more exposure over the incumbency, you know, uh, for example, right. You know, the same day, Jim Brown f- officially filed for office. He had endorsements from some of the um, biggest Republican names in Montana. That's, you know, attorney general Austin Knutsen Senator Steve Danes, and, um, governor Greg Gianforte. Um, he also, attended a uh, fundraiser at Gianforte's home last month um, and told a Butte crowd at a um, a GOP forum that he was pleased to hear that, uh, you know, he was pleased when Gianforte called and urged him to run for the Supreme Court. And so, um, you know, the other side of this, uh, Gustafson has really made rejecting politics pretty central to her campaign messaging, that's in uh, the mailers that she's, um, the the mailers that have been sent out in this race and in her uh, campaign advertisements, while Jim Brown, by contrast, has, um, you know, really held himself himself up as a constitutional conservative um, who would be uh, more pro-business friendly on the court. And so um, even though, you know, a constitutional conservative might not purely be a partisan term and as opposed to maybe a more legal one it, it's not really something i think you'd throw around if you are trying to appeal to uh, maybe left more left-leaning voters and so um clearly those are the the two lanes that have sort of established themselves in this race as for the uh the other race um with incumbent uh jim rice he came home last night with about six or 76% of the vote, uh, his challenger, a personal injury attorney out of Billings named Bill Alton, He uh, finished with about 24%. And uh, those numbers are, are going to be kind of hard to um, use as some sort of expectation that's going to happen in the general. There hasn't been almost any noise at all from uh, those candidates. And so um, because there's only two candidates on in that race, they'll both move on to the general election in the fall.
0: You know and and the ballot had more than just races for elected officials on it uh cannabis was also on the ballot uh from uh adding local taxes to outright prohibition in some counties um seaborn where where did uh where did cannabis land after um Tuesday's election
3: Right so we, there were sort of two main storylines um happening on the cannabis beat last night uh so in in one of those yellowstone county voted essentially a third time on um recreational cannabis if you remember um back in 2020 when the state voted on legalization yellowstone county approved uh recreational cannabis but by a pretty slim margin then last fall the city of billings um with some new uh i guess abilities passed by the state legislature last year voted to um ban recreational cannabis sales from within city limits the because that margin was so um thin for the county back in 2020 county commissioners actually put um the question back to voters this year and uh yellowstone county in its most decisive vote yet i think on uh recreational cannabis sales passed um the, uh, or sorry, rejected the, um, ballot measure to, um, ban recreational cannabis sales from, uh, Yellowstone County. So that's, uh, that's pretty big deal for, I think, um, certainly the state there's, a or in the, in the industry, I mean, Yellowstone County, even without, uh, the ability to sell cannabis within the, um, city of Billings is, um, regularly the highest selling, County for um, cannabis sales. That's um, you know roughly over four million dollars, pr- basically every month. Um, you know the state already gets its twenty percent tax on that. I think that would pencil out to about sixteen percent of um, the monthly uh, tax revenues collected by the state. And so, um, two counties actually voted on whether or not to boot recreational cannabis from. Uh, the county. So Yellowstone County decided to keep recreational while Granite County um, actually passed its ban on recreational cannabis. So, um, you know, per our reporting earlier this year, there's really only one uh, dispensary in Granite County that can sell recreational cannabis and uh, they're just going to go back to selling medical as, you know, they existed prior to legalization in that jurisdiction. So um, it's not going to be a huge hit to the um, state tax revenues that have been coming in this year from cannabis sales. The other side of things was um, the uh, local option sales tax. There were 12 counties all over the state um, that voted yesterday on implementing a local option sales tax. That's three percent on recreational and three percent on medical. Every one of those counties, um approved their local option sales tax revali county is the only county that um, voted to approve a tax on recreational marijuana sales but rejected a uh, tax on medical marijuana sales they'll join missoula county as the only county to um, only tax one of those industries but so far this year uh I guess so far, since the option has gone out to the counties to add this tax, every single county that has voted on a local option tax has approved that tax. And so I think what we're seeing is, you know, especially rural counties are, are pretty starved for funding in some areas, whether it's for public safety or uh, public works, things along those lines, there's um, a new revenue stream that is proven to be uh, pretty significant, especially in some of these far-flung counties. And so um, counties are definitely starting to cash in.
2: Do you know, Seymour, like do most of those counties, when they put those initiatives on the ballot, like, do they know where the revenue is going to go like specifically or is it just general ideas of where it's going to go or is it very county by county?
3: Right now it's kind of varied county by county. For example, um, Dawson County last year when I traveled out there to talk to county commissioners about what they thought of, um, the new tax revenue, they had earmarked the potential new funds for law enforcement. They kind of, uh, see this similar in the, or sort of similar to how the state does where they can use tax revenues to combat the perceived issues that come along with, um, you know, a, a a higher societal acceptance of, what is still a federally illegal drug. And so, you know, some counties I think um, do have some things in mind. Uh, Other counties are are just, you know, are are kind of waiting to see what kind of comes in. I remember calling uh, Blaine County commissioner last uh, month to ask, you know, whether or not they had planned these funds for anything. And uh, they said, no, but you know, we're, we're a rural county, there's always a need somewhere. And so I think, um, Some counties are hoping to be a little more agile with um, where this money can be best applied to its specific needs. And then other counties, I think, are still holding on to sort of that stigma that um, cannabis, you know, being more available in that community is going to create more problems as well.
0: Well, let's wrap up here by uh, going around and and, um, getting some last thoughts and maybe what you guys are looking forward to. Um, Holly, let's start with you
2: um so couple things i think you know it wasn't a race that we covered in the bureau but tom ludy one of our reporters at the billings gazette covered psc race for district five and that one is a super interesting race it's got joe dueling who's held you know role with the local republican party here in lewis and clark county and run for offices before and derek skis who's a state legislator from the flathead and he got a lot of attention recently for calling for scrapping the state constitution um and then dr annie Bukacek, who is um a pretty well-known across the state i think anti-abortion activist who also um you know was pretty prominent during covid kind of speaking out against public health measures that race is looking like it might be within the margin for a recount at this point. Super close. I think it's like 70-some votes separate um, Skis and check. So that will be interesting to watch. You're um, looking forward. I was going through numbers of just looking at raw votes today. You know, like how many people voted for a Republican candidate in the Western House race? How many people voted for a Democratic one? And it's not a super clean measure because... You could have crossover voters, turnout looked super interesting. Some counties it was really high for the primary, some it was like twelve percent in that Western House race. So it's not like a great measure, but it's interesting to see like Gallatin County, which is, you know, Trinell did really, really well there, which I think is pretty key to her win, especially since that's Newman's kind of home turf. That ended up, I think there's like one vote difference between the number of people voted for a Democrat. In the western house race versus republican that's pretty interesting to see like what that might turn into because that'll be pretty key in the november general election and, and yeah just kind of looking ahead and seeing about i think we're going to hear a lot of and this has been pretty much every race i think he's run you know at the state level is just attacks on him for time spent out of state because we've already heard that from chanel she's already brought that for him so i think it's going to be a lot of what we've heard against Zinke before that Dems have brought. And, you know, I think they're obviously hoping for more success than maybe the Zinke-Juno race when they ran Prowse last time, but it'll be a pretty interesting Western district. Just it's more competitive, drawn to be more competitive than the East and you think still leans Republican, but it's the one place Democrats would have a better chance.
0: And Tom, what about you? So I mean,
1: <clears throat> we're still going to be doing our post postmortem. I think on on this GOP primary, like Holly was talking about, uh, I I think and think he said this at one point that he thought he would be a better general election candidate than Olszewski. Olshewski is um, by his own admission very conservative, um, and while that's you know that works for Matt Rosendale in, in Eastern Montana, um, it, it is more competitive a little more um democrat leaning but not democratic obviously in western montana so um you know would all have that 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 ability to run effectively in a general election um i think that would be a big question um if the conventional wisdom here is that zinke comes out of it then like holly said what 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 are we going to learn from the primary that's going to inform us in the general um we've all we've seen these attacks and clearly these attacks worked to some extent even if bolshevsky doesn't pull it out uh, this is a much closer race than i think we anticipated um holly made a really good point too about you know we don't have the great public polling and you know we we get we get west here and there of of internal polls and i think um, we saw some indications too that this race might be tightening um, at the end, like Holly said, with um, you know, so, some uh, political ads from Zinke trying to push back on on some of the narrative that the other candidates are pushing about him, and you know, wanting to talk about it. He, when that Politico story came out, uh, we interviewed him that same day about that, and he he went after Politico and and tried to tried to uh, explain his side of the story or downplay it. Um, so, I mean, uh, what's the general going to look like is, are we going to have, um, uh, you know, a little more, um, uh, open and accessible, uh, kind of candidates in this Trinnell's, you know, going to be obviously out there. Are we going to see, you know, more live debates? Are we going to see, uh, more interviews, uh, on, on Zinke's side? It's, it's going to just be interesting just to watch all that play out and see if, um, you know, we, we got through the primary on the GOP side and you know, that's, that's for Republican voters. And now, now that you're trying to get those independents too, what's that general election going to look like? Is it going to look a little bit different?
0: Last but not least, Seaborn.
3: Yeah, I definitely think this Supreme court race is going to heat up now that we're past the, uh, primary. There's, um, I think a lot of money still to be spent in this race. We're looking at, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars already spent in the primary for the top two uh, candidates. But I think it seemed pretty clear early on that, um, you know, Gustafson and Brown were likely to move on to the general election. Um, We'll see what just, you know, what kind of voltage parties start to throw in behind either candidate. Um, Democrats have not yet, um, you know, reported any sort of spending or report that Republicans have for Brown whether or not they get into this race is yet to be seen. you know we have uh, reporting from 2016 when the Democrats uh, put down about sixty thousand dollars to help um, then candidate now Justice Dirk Sandefur, uh beat um, then candidate now lieutenant governor Kristen Juris. And so um, I think I think this case is definitely gonna, become a little more contentious at the very least as we uh, move closer to the general certainly Gustafson's lead this morning that she held on through to through the night is probably going to give um, you know Republicans some motivation to uh, to you know charge their support a little bit further along um, uh, aside from that I think we are going to see some more uh, marijuana related ballot measures um, pop up in the general the um, kind of perennial weed uh, opponent, Steve Zabawa and Billings has told me he's looking to, you know, go from county to county, particularly conservative counties where he thinks that uh, that margin for, you know, early approval for recreational cannabis sales is, is uh, pretty vulnerable. And so um, we'll be watching that as, as sort of the, you know, local development of new marijuana me- measures crop up and um you know we'll see i think the new taxes are going to be um the thing to watch for sure as uh you know this last election it was one in four montana counties that uh, were voting voting on some sort of marijuana related ballot measure so i don't think that's going to slow down in terms of popularity
0: well that's another episode of big sky lead um make sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found thanks guys
2: thanks tom
0: thanks tom thanks tom